Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new episode of our e-commerce show and today I'm here with uh, Anthony Liu and uh, Rodney and they are the co-founders of Munch Addict and you will see that this company focuses on uh, gifting, uh, snacks, soda, very interesting niche and very competitive niche. They are based in California, US, so a ton of things today to learn uh, from them. Hey Anthony, hey Rodney, how are you today? Good, doing well. Hey Daniel, thanks for having us. Amazing. So uh, let's start with the with the beginning. So I know that Anthony, l- last time I talked to you before this podcast, and uh, you told me that uh, your personal, uh, you know, your background, your past in e-commerce, it was dropshipping five, six years ago. Um, I'm curious if you did it with Rodney or he has a different past. So maybe let's start with you, Anthony, and share more with us what's your background and when did you start out with e-commerce sure uh so pretty much um i started off my career as a software developer so i started off with that um since high school and then uh pretty much about five or six years ago i started doing drop shipping um i started off doing pretty much like viral facebook pages and i kind of turned uh, one of my viral Facebook pages into a drop shipping, um, like website platform, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I would go ahead and, you know, make these videos based off of these drop shipping products and try to get them to go viral on my page. And then based off that run ads behind it, um, and try to, you know, just get sales that way. So that's kind of how I got into e-commerce. Um, I also did a little bit of Amazon affiliates with that as well. Um, and, Pretty much from there, uh, I kind of noticed that drop shipping was not a long term thing for me, at least. I, I just think that like anybody could steal your product or idea, find it on, on AliExpress and start, um, you know, just selling it also and being a competitor. So that's kind of when, um, you know, Rodney like was kind of showing me different, um, different, like, I guess, uh, business models with like ramen subscriptions and different things like that. And we came up with the idea of just, you know, doing snacks. And uh, we realized that it's more of a repeat business model. And it's also something that uh, is harder for other competitors to get into. Um, so that's kind of how, um, you know, me and Rodney came up with the idea of doing a snack subscription box. Um, and that's how I pivoted from dropshipping to uh, doing snacks. When did you establish uh, the company, Munch Addict? Uh, we started four and a half years ago. So around uh, 18, 2018, 2017. 2018. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's it sounds like, Rodney, you've been in e-commerce for a bit longer time or at least in the food industry. What is your background? Right. Um, so actually, um, Munch Addict is essentially my first go at uh, e-commerce. Uh, so prior to that, I was in uh, C-store uh, and liquor store industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, uh, I just saw you know, um, at full scale, the potential of convenience stores, um, you know, it's a very intensive industry. It requires you to be present on site, um, you know, sundown, sun up. Um, essentially I was in, I was in that industry for a few years and ultimately I just knew I didn't want to be in that industry long-term. Um, but it did help expose me to, um, the confectionery industry, snack industry and things like that, liquor, beverages. So, I knew I wanted to be more involved on that side. Um, and then getting in touch with Anthony, uh, we ultimately, you know, came to the conclusion that, Hey, we want to pivot into 
a subscription, a subscription model, direct to consumer, uh, snacks. Yeah. 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 So how does this industry compare to the liquor store or even any other e-commerce store drop shipping? I mean, uh, and I don't mean the fulfillment part, but more the product side, like how is the product cycle? And you also mentioned it's not that easy to enter this industry. And I'm, I also think the same because, uh, you know, when somebody starts out with e-commerce, they usually uh, start selling some, uh, you know, something that people can use in their home or maybe beauty products. I think that's the most common, but food and, and beverages, it's, it's a small, uh, you know, part of people uh, who start out with that one? Sure. So I could answer the first part of that question of just, um, you know, what makes it uh, harder for others to get into uh, in e-commerce and stuff like that. Um, the reason is, is because, you know, the way we source our items and stuff like that, um, you have to build relationships with manufacturers, distributors, all that stuff. I mean, for us, we're still even building more relationships as time goes on. And, you know, if I, had one snack that was really good. I mean, that's only one snack. I mean, we have access now to like thousands of snacks and in order to build those relationships, it takes time. It, you have to go to shows, you have to meet people. Like when you call up a distributor or a manufacturer to like, you know, if you want to like resell their products, it's like, they won't, you know, it's hard to get a salesperson to actually, um, you know, give you the time of day to get, you know, be able to talk to you and get, uh, give you like a, proper supply chain. So it took us many years to build up these leads and different, um, you know, contacts to be able to get all access to all this stuff. So we believe that that's time and, and value, you know, to the business because us spending time um, building all these relationships, it makes it really hard for others to just do it themselves. Um, so that's what I think personally, um, you know, makes it a lot harder for others to get into it. And if you ever look at other subscription boxes out there for especially for the one the particular thing we're doing like international snacks there's not that many out there and i think there's a reason why because it's it takes a lot more effort to do that whereas you know drop shipping or just selling like any sort of household product like you're going to be able to find that in aliexpress in like five minutes if you really know what you're doing or if you've drop shipped for even like a year or two so that would be like the answer the first part of your question as far as the liquor store stuff goes i think that's more on rodney's end <laughs> Right. So I, I think um, in terms of the convenience store, um, you know, you you essentially need to have many different SKUs. Um, but the, the, I think the main difference is that once you establish, you know, your top sellers um, for a successful liquor store, there's certain items that that are must have. And, you know, depending on your store and your demographic, you can deviate and include, um, you know, different products. But, um, you know, we're talking about thousand to fifteen hundred SKUs um maybe more um but then that's it you know so your your uh, supply chain is established you have you have the distributors that you work with the companies that you order from um i mean liquor and at least in california and i believe for most of the united states is relegated to maybe like four main distributors um and that's controlled by uh, the government so um it's pretty pretty set in stone in terms of your your what you have to procure and who you have to deal with Whereas uh, with what we're doing with Munch Addict, you know, we have to constantly update um, our network, uh, the distributors that we mm -hmm. work with. Um, you know, you can't just be satisfied with having, hey, I have one distributor or uh, for uh, Japanese snacks because that person may not be able to get you snacks 
three months down the line, four months down the line. So you have to always constantly be updating uh, who you know and establishing those relationships like Anthony had mentioned. Yeah, yeah. so these B2B relationships, these are crucial. And that's something that nobody can build up in a few days or weeks. It takes long years to build this up and uh, you always have to update it. Unlike in the liquor industry, right? Yeah. I'm just just rephrasing what you said. Um, Also regarding your products. So let's talk about those because I know you sell the products of quite many big brands. Do you have your own products as well? Do you manufacture any or or that's not the business model? You have these relationships and you sell those products. Uh, it would be the latter. Yeah, we definitely have the relationships and we sell the products. And I think that's advantageous in the sense that um, a lot of these products are established already. Like uh, for our SEO and stuff like that, we have like, for instance, um, Korean turtle chips, like we're ranked almost like number one on SEO for that. And a lot of people look up those chips all the time. So I think it's a good thing to have like brands that are already established and we're kind of reselling because, you know, people are already searching for that. And when people see those in a picture or an advertisement, it kind of clicks already. And I think um, people have maybe seen it somewhere else before. So it's almost like piggybacking off of like those brands and what they've already established. And then they come to our brand saying like, oh, wow, they have this snack. They have that snack. Oh, I saw that, you know, here and there. So, I mean, we're kind of manufacturing in the sense that we're putting it all together in a box. So that's kind of like what our manufacturing uh, part is. But no, we're not actually manufacturing any particular like snack or anything like that. But it's something Mm -hmm. we've definitely thought about and may plan to do in the future. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Also... I'm wondering why people choose you because you. I know you have a very strong SEO and the online presence. Later, we can talk about it, but you were in Forbes, BuzzFeed uh, articles without paying these uh, big companies and you have strong SEO, you have great trust on your ads. And um, yeah, like why, why people choose you? Because, you know, they could buy these products somewhere else. There are so many options, especially right. in the food space. Right. So I think for us, it's more of just like um, there are a few different bells and whistles for our company versus others. Right. We, so we have a lot of the add ons that come into our box. Like if you go to some of the other competitors, you can't really add on snacks to your box. We also offer a Korean snack box, which I don't think anybody's offering um, in terms of our, our direct competitors. Um, and also, I just think that it comes down to pricing and um also comes down to like people want to try something else, right? If they tried one subscription box, they're like, Hmm, like I tried this one. I want to try another one. So that's where it really comes down to the quality of your product, uh, what you can offer them, the discounts, and also just like the lifetime value. Uh, so that's kind of where we're trying to, uh, strive. And, you know, hopefully once you get the subscriber, then that's where we can really show them our value and, uh, you know, give them a lot of options month to month that they'll want to stay with us. Yeah. What uh, tool do you use for subscription? Are you on Shopify or you do you use something else? We use uh, Shopify and Recharge pretty much. Those Recharge, two okay. combined. And then we use like custom development to do like our upsells. So me being a developer, um, we pretty much just all the upsell stuff. We don't really use too many apps on the, on the front end. We just, I custom coded it to pretty much fit our experience and then just have it like that. Yeah. And uh, in the past few episodes, episodes, I had a few guests who um, 
you know, from different industries, but was a, it was a very common topic that uh, corporate gifting is a big one for them. And I'm wondering, because you have subscriptions and food snacks, it sounds like a niche that is good for corporate gifting as well. Is it relevant for you or, or not really? Rod, do you want to answer that one? Yeah, um, I would say it's definitely relevant for us. Um, it's definitely uh, growing, um, you know, and it's definitely a segment that we are focusing a lot of our attention on currently. Um, and we're just definitely trying to improve that process for us. Um, yeah, yeah def- add anything. Yeah, it's corporate gifting, I think, like, is is definitely huge, um, like, for us in the sense that we have a lot of, like, we haven't even tried to, like, market to corporate uh, companies before, but we're getting a lot of inquiries, like, I want to say, like, pretty often of just different companies wanting to gift these as, like, remote gifts or give it to their employees or, you know, come up with a custom solution. So it's definitely something we've been putting more of our attention to, and obviously, margins for those type of sales are like way higher and it definitely gives you a lot of brand recognition and you hit a lot more people at once by just you know giving it to like all their employees it's like a ton of you know brand awareness that you get right off the bat with that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah one of our guests uh it wasn't in the in the podcast recording in the show but after the recording he told me that uh, they need to hire new employees to fulfill an order one order because it was a uh, five figure order and wow. uh, to fulfill they need to hire people so that yeah. was quite interesting to hear that yeah um, we've now. definitely had to like do a lot of like running a lot of circles when we get like a potential big client like if they ask us for a bunch of things then yeah it's definitely it basically makes our company like oh my god we got to scramble and do a lot of stuff to to figure out you know, how we can get them a good quote and like, you know, fulfill all their boxes. So we definitely can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. And the traditional B2C customers and these corporate, uh, you know, segment, they, they overlap. So my, and you know, those guys who come in as a corporate buyer, they, they are usually an employee who purchased from you before. So, uh, I think that's also important to, to see that. Yeah. Let's talk about marketing. So, Let's start with SEO. So, guys, how did you build this up? You are you said you are almost number one in certain yeah. categories. So on certain keywords, we're definitely getting close to number one. I would definitely say a lot of the articles that we got written in were organic, right? Like we would just find out that one day we were on BuzzFeed or one day we were on Forbes or something like that. And I think um, a lot of that had to do with our Facebook ads. And I think that's kind of how we eventually... Um, you know, got into the first few initial articles. We tried a PR, we tried a PR, um, uh, a PR team or whatever. And, you know, they maybe got us into like one or two articles, but it wasn't that effective as like, or just getting it organically. So um, we kind of just focused more on just the ads and just making sure that they really popped out and stuck out. Like we, the first ad that we did was just like me and Rodney with a camera, like just eating snacks or something like that. It was really like viral. It was kind of funny. It's scroll stopping. And I think that definitely put us on the map in the beginning. But what really uh, sent us to the next level in SEO was we got we got featured on uh, an article from My Subscription Addiction. And that got us a Google Knowledge Panel. And once we got the Google Knowledge Panel, that literally like sent our search results like sky high. So um, you know, if you're ever, if you have a brand or like that, you try to focus on getting a Google knowledge panel, it'll start 
putting you in a lot of real estate in Google that other people aren't in. So if you search like so snack subscription box, we're in like a special box on the bottom of the page that has like, you know, a list of like snack brand or snack subscription brands. So that knowledge panel really uh, gives you high ranking status on Google. And that's kind of like what pushed our SEO forward, I think, to mm. like the next level. And how can someone get into this knowledge panel? You just you just have to be in a very popular article or is there any way to, to be I think there? what it is, is yeah, you have to be in a really established uh, blog article and the blog article needs to just be featuring your brand only. It can't like, we're featured in BuzzFeed as like, oh, here are the top 10, you know, subscription box. And we're like listed as one of the numbers like those help your uh, site. But I think a full featured article written by an actual staff member is what uh, will really get you into a knowledge panel and, and obviously brand searches. So if you're running a ton of uh, ads on Facebook or whatever, and people are actually searching your brand in Google, like Munch Addict or whatever, that in combination with getting like a really big article will eventually just land you a Google knowledge panel. Like that's what I, that's my theory on it. I mean, obviously everybody like Google doesn't really necessarily tell you exactly how you can get yeah. it, but that's how we got it. Yeah. Just to clarify the knowledge panel, when you search for something, especially you ask something from Google and then the first organic result, right? And you can click that and there is a drop down which shows you the beginning of the article, something like that. Right. It's on the right hand side. If you're in desktop, if you type in like Munchad, you'll see on the right hand side, it has like our, our logo and our icon and like that exactly what you said, like a little snippet of the article that that we were featured on. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, what tools do you use besides SEO when it comes to having more customers and visitors? Um, so I just mean like marketing channels and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 You yeah. mentioned Facebook ads. So maybe yeah. let's talk about it. So Facebook, TikTok, uh, we've done Snapchat, Google ads, um, and I'm trying to think of anything else particularly. We tried Pinterest too. So I would say, yeah, pretty much all the social media channels, but our biggest one is Google ads by far. I think mm -hmm. that in terms of like landing subscription customers is big because the intent is so much higher when they type in snack subscription box versus just seeing it on Facebook. So I would say Facebook and and TikTok and you know Snapchat, those are all our like our cold audience. You know, here here's our brand. Learn about us. You know, search us on Google, and then you know, Google is the one that's like high converting. And yeah, it's pretty much how how we get Can it. Can you see that uh, your strong SEO helps your Google ads, or not really? There is no correlation. Um, well, that's interesting. I think it. I want to say it doesn't. I would say like, you know, we get a lot of SEO traffic just in general. If I turn off the Google ads or put it really low, we'll still just get the same constant SEO traffic and sales that we normally get. But, um, you know, obviously the Google ads, I think just kind of helps you. People say that like it doesn't help you rank in SEO, but I personally think it does a little bit because you get more clicks on your site and you get more traffic and, and then Google sees that as a positive signal. So I think it'll help your SEO a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think in the same way, by the way, but yeah. I'm not a Google ad expert, but I talk to people. Um, so let's talk about your subscription model. So um, what percentage of your new customers, they start with the subscription immediately? I mean, uh, is there an option to be a not, not subscriber at all? So if I want to buy on your website, 
do I have to subscribe or, or I can just buy a single item if I want? How does it work? Um, Ron, you want to you chime in on that? Yeah, um, I, I think roughly about, Anthony, would you want to say 75% of incoming are su- su- subscribers? Yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely played around a, a little bit differently in the early stages in terms of um, uh, making a subscription only and then giving uh, customers the option to do a non-subscription. But yeah, I would say uh, to answer your question, about 75% of the uh, incoming um, are definitely subscribers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And since That's we right. added like, you know, the snack store and stuff like that, um, we've definitely seen people like go to the snack store and just buy like their one-off snacks. But I think like based off of what I was saying in terms of like us targeting snack subscription box keywords and stuff like that, I think they're coming to the site with the intent of buying a snack subscription box. So they generally gravitate towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's talk about email marketing. So how do you use email to retain more subscribers, more customers, maybe those who are not subscribers yet, how you incentivize them to become subscribers? How do you use emails? So like I would say it starts at the opt-in. Um, so pretty much the opt-in, we I've A-B tested like a bunch of different uh, scenarios and stuff like that. And um, I mean, we found that uh, you know, showing the pop-up like literally right when they land on the page for our business works the best. And we tried different offers of either a $5 off or, you know, gift card or a 10% off offer. And we found that the $5 gift card one was definitely a lot higher. And I think it just makes more sense because people think like, oh, you come to the snack store, you spend, you know, I get $5 free almost in a way. It's like, it's a good marketing tactic for them to think like, okay, I want to go and buy something versus 10% off. People will be like, you know, do I really like 10% off? Is that a huge deal for them? Probably not. So uh, we definitely did. We start at that, obviously, with the opt-in. And then uh, from there, we, you know, create obviously the abandoned cart flows. We create the browse abandonment flows, pretty much everything. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Chase Diamond, but his course, I think, was definitely uh, a good help for like what we decided to do. And um, so we pretty much do all that for just, you know, just the top of the funnel type of stuff. And then after that, uh, we have all the rewards programs that really helped us a lot, I think. So we created a bunch of flows for different rewards, as in like mm-hmm. every single time they spent a certain amount, we gave them an email like, hey, uh, you know, you you have a thousand points or a hundred points, you should use it. Um, and we also did like anniversary emails. Um, so every single time it was like a, a year has passed by, we, we give them like a thousand points or something like that. And they would, you know, bite on that um, a lot. So I think the reward system and just, you know, the standard like abandoned cart opt-in stuff like that is kind of what we've been doing. And then we always send out an email every Tuesday and Sunday. Uh, We call it like Tasty Tuesdays. So we just feature stuff that's in our store. And then Sunday we'll either do like any deals of the month or just, um, you know, maybe a deal on our boxes. And we notice that like our revenue goes up by a lot when we, when we constantly do that. So I know like marketers get lazy with like, constantly sending out campaigns and stuff like that. It's, it's totally a, a, a grind, but if you actually do it consistently every week, like you'll start noticing your revenue numbers will like go way up. And it's like, it's not even just like revenue, your profit margins go way up too, because you're not spending anything on that. So yeah. by not doing that, you're, you're really just leaving money on the table. Yeah. Sh- shout out to J- Chase Diamond and his course. I, yeah. uh, I interact with him sometimes on Twitter and LinkedIn. So 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, has a, he has a great course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and do you use Clavio? And also, I'm wondering what you use for the rewards reward, reward system. Um, so right now, we're using Yotco for the re- reward system, and mm-hmm. yeah, we're using Clavio. Uh, we we just started their SMS feature as well. Forgot to mm-hmm. mention that that the SMS is it's a lot more powerful than the uh, actual email campaigns in terms of opt in. If when you add that as an option, like yeah, like that, I want to say it's almost like double or triple the conversion rate using the uh, SMS opt ins versus um, the emails. So that's just something if you haven't looked at it, definitely you should look at that. Yeah, ROI on SMS, it's crazy. I I would say that uh, you cannot send as many as emails, unfortunately, but the ROI itself, that's amazing on SMS marketing. Yeah. And uh, I think lo- the loyalty program completely makes sense for your business and for subscription. And uh, I think it's undervalued in e-commerce. It's still undervalued. There are great tools out there like Yotpo, uh, Loyalty Lion, Stem.io. There are many loyalty tools, but... I think uh, they usually have similar features and once you implement them and a few what you mentioned uh, and you can connect them with Clavio, then uh, it, will, it will make wonders. So, Oh, yeah. yeah and, and once you actually put in the work and just let it sit there, it's like you'll just see over like a month or two like how much more money that you can generate with it. So um, yeah. always something that we're constantly trying to improve and, and make better, obviously. Yeah, and it sounds like you send uh, regular emails i mean uh every tuesday and sunday and you said tasty tasty tuesdays right right yeah so it has a theme every tuesday and i think that's great and uh just today i talked to my team we also do these kind of things and then sometimes we can see that every week the open rate click rate increases for the themed newsletter so it's a good sign people like it but sometimes actually it drops so it's a sign for us that maybe this theme is not a good theme for this newsletter. Right. Uh, so I agree. I Sometimes that- like we, mm-hmm. we may not send a tasty Tuesday email. We might just change it up if we have done something very specific or if it was mm-hmm. around Halloween time. We might just try to yeah. theme it differently. And I know what you mean. Definitely, um, you know, people get desensitized to like just seeing the same email over and over again. So that's definitely a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you guys. And uh, I have one more question to you. So maybe both of you separately. So what would be your number one tip for e-commerce business owners, let's say in the US for next year already, because now it's November. Right. Um, Man, mine would probably be build something with long-term value. I think like a lot of e-commerce people get too caught up in like a viral product that like may you know, fizzle out. Like I used to sell like a, like phone holders and it's like, you know, how many people are going to keep buying that product over and over again? I would definitely say build something that people can constantly use and, or come back to you for, and they'll have life, like a lifelong value. Cause I think that, um, if, you know, if you would ever sell the business, people will really look at that versus like a drop shipping business or something that's just like a one-off item. Like it's not going to last very long. And I think building something of value, even if you're not making like crazy amounts of money off of it in the beginning, will be better in the long term because you'll be valued a lot higher and you can actually have an exit plan with that. Yeah, makes sense. Rodney? Yeah, for me, um, I'd have to say if, you know, for someone, if they're just starting out or they're trying to get into it, um, 
and they're starting up, I think it's very important that um, you don't spend too much time at the uh, the idea, you know, phase and that you just get out there and you just try to go straight to market as fast as possible. You can't wait for everything to be perfect. I mean, definitely wasn't perfect when we started out. Um, definitely hit a lot of road bumps, but I think for us, it was very important that we kind of had the idea and we just got out there to market. And I think that's like the most important because once you get that traction and the speed, and then you can always constantly, I mean, you're always constantly improving your product. Um, so, yeah, it's a very uh, doer mentality that you mentioned. Just yeah, go out yeah. and do it. And the other phrase that just came to my mind is uh, success, love, speed. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's <laughs> crucial, especially in your uh, play, space where you are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 yeah thanks, guys, for uh, today's uh, call and, and, you know, chat. And thanks, everyone who listened to us today. Every week uh, we come out with two new episodes now. And we will put the link of your uh, store into the description of this episode. I will also add a link to the description for everyone. We have a free mini course for uh, email marketing and you can go there and download it for free. So thanks everyone again and stay tuned and have a great day. Thanks, thanks Daniel. Thanks for having us. <laughs>